Welcome to the Renovare Podcast, a place for honest and unhurried conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and today we'd like to offer a classic talk to help us work a little with the contemplative stream. It's from a special man who was a regular speaker at Renovare events in the early years, as well as teaching in the Institute. He's a retired pastor, author, and spiritual director, a man with impeccable style and gentle wisdom, the Reverend Glandian Carney. As a way to introduce Glandian to those of you who don't know him, I'd like to read the opening from his book titled The Way of Grace, Finding God on the Path of Surrender. I am Glandian. I'm a contemplative. I embrace the life and role of the Holy Spirit. I love good wine. I love fellowship and friendship. I'm a deep, caring person. I'm a warrior and a burden bearer. I take time to notice. I'm soft-spoken yet strong in spirit. I love jazz as well as the Gregorian chant. I'm consciously aware of my sinful nature. I'm a great listener. I'm a priest, a husband, father of four adult children. I'm a grandpa, affectionately called Papa. I love to remain in the presence of God. I like to celebrate. I don't have to act in a cultural manner to define my African-American identity. I'm a cross-cultural man. I think about my death about once a week. I think about my life and want to do the things that matter. I love to laugh, yet I cry easily. I love poetry, especially T.S. Eliot and Garrison Keller. I love coffee. I question myself all the time. I've never sensed the condemnation of God. I don't think about former accomplishments as much as my failures. I believe in justice. I've stood in lines in Ethiopia with the hungry and the poor. I've traveled to Eastern Africa during the time of genocide, war, and famine. I minister in one of the wealthiest communities in the United States. I've learned that the rich in resources can also be poor in spirit. I embrace the scriptures and see them as a guidepost for life. I've struggled to accept the diagnosis of a disease and tried to cover it up. I love the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love the Eucharist. I embrace another person's heart, whatever their religious practice. I believe evil will be overcome. I love to see the sunset. I take time to look in the eyes of others to get a glimpse of their heart. I like to raid the cookie jar in the middle of the night. I love theological discussions. I am loved. I am loving. I am Glandian. I have Parkinson's. And I'm learning to walk in grace. And here's Glandian speaking in Jacksonville, Florida in 2003. Living in an environment of grace, I am convinced that the most significant way to live your life 
is the reality and the love and the abundance of the grace of God. But to know that His grace is just not for saving, His grace is for equipping, His grace is for empowering, His grace is for developing in our lives a deeper appreciation for the things of faith and the values that are so important in the development of our lives. Grace means trust. Grace means knowing that God is reliable. Grace means that there is an environment of affirmation and love that is given to us to live our lives in a full measure and where we can really benefit significantly from the truth of grace. I think the first principle that I want to share with you is what it really means to welcome the Trinitarian God who is relational, loving, and gracious. You and I have the privilege every day of welcoming God into our hearts. Now, this can be done with little fanfare or it can be done with great fanfare. For me, every morning I try to get up and I acknowledge the reality of God's grace in my life. And I acknowledge the reality that He is loving, He is relational, and it is this Trinitarian God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, who chooses to come and take residence in my life. And my body is an expression of this incredible relational God. And so he welcomes us in a way that says, you welcome me. And I think it's important right now to do something with me. All of you right now, just simply take a moment and welcome this wonderful, gracious God, the creator of heaven, the creator of the earth, the sustainer of all of life, the one who sent his son Christ, the one who crowns us with the gracious gift of the Holy Spirit, just simply say, welcome. Say it with me. We have to do better than that. Welcome. Now, it would be pretty insignificant if the president knocked on your door and you said, welcome. I think it creates a great deal of emotion. So I'm going to take the risk of being emotional for a moment and shout, welcome the living God into this heart, this mind, this body, this soul, this spirit, and that it would move in a way to acknowledge God's love in a broken world, in a broken society, in a broken humanity. And he dwells in you. And every day you can say, welcome, this relational, loving, gracious, Trinitarian Father who is with us in a significant way. Let's look at the scripture that focuses in on that. I want you to read with me these words, because I believe in reading together the Word of God, and I think it's appropriate that we read together the Word of God. Let's begin together. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, 
not of works, as anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. I want you to look at that wonderful concept, workmanship. Now, if we welcome this gracious Trinitarian God into our lives, who is loving and kind and affirming and creates in our heart an opportunity to respond to him in obedience and commitment by grace, then you really do qualify as a significant workmanship that he is working something in you. He is developing and shaping. He's designing. He is the master builder of the universe. His workmanship is balanced. It has symmetry and order. It's a real work of art. So what God is working into your life by grace is this incredible concept called salvation. And it's so remarkable. It is so designed to, to house the glory of God. It is so designed to, to house the Holy Spirit. It is so designed to house the reflections and the thoughts of God. It is so designed to act on the love of God. It is a thing of workmanship. It is a wonderful work of grace. It is an incredible work of grace. This weekend, I sat with a friend of mine who I led to the Lord some 25 years ago, and we were having coffee together in Wheaton. And I said to him, Bill, if you had not accepted the Lord as your Savior, if you had not found grace, I shudder to think of what would have happened to you in your life. And I look back at him now, and I see his life, and it is a workmanship, something that has been created by the very loving God. Now, inside of you and I is this incredible concept called grace, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And it is a work of grace, an incredible work of grace, a work that sustains, a work that deepens, a work that expands, a work that reaches into the hearts and souls of many people, a work that is so beautiful that it stands alone in the halls of heaven and says, this is my wonderful work. And inside of you and me, that is in us this incredible workmanship. That's a good principle too, because I think it's important to move on as we reflect on this. And so we now take fact that there is a wonderful work of art in our life, this incredible work of, of grace, this design, this wonderful, wonderful act of grace in our lives. And then we're given in this Trinitarian relationship, the work of spiritual formation, the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of spiritual formation takes place by the direct work of the Holy Spirit as he draws guys and energizes us for life in the kingdom. We just don't have a work that we can sit back and reflect on and say, oh my, that's a good work in me. That's a great, wonderful thing that God has done. The Holy Spirit is there to energize you for life in the kingdom. And the kingdom is not black and white. It is in color. It is three-dimensional. It is here right now before us. It is the expression of God at work in the world. It is the kingdom that manifests his incredible love. It is the kingdom, and he energizes us for the work of the kingdom. We've been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. You know, the original purpose of the Holy Spirit, or the goal of the Holy Spirit in this passage, is, first of all, describing something that we could not create for ourselves. It is an undeserved act. It is the grace of God. We were just doing our thing one day, 
humming along, living our life, doing whatever we do. Something breathed on us. It awakened our spirit. It was called grace. We heard something about God's love. We heard something about a message of hope. It sparked something in us. We went to someone and said, what does that mean? Someone explained to us the work of grace, the work of love, the work of salvation. It lit something in our hearts and we said, yes, that's what I want. And we responded with great appreciation what God has done. That's undeserved grace. That's the, that's the grace that comes to us. That's the saving grace of God. But there's another grace, and that grace is an expression of power. Something describing the Holy Spirit's work in our life, which means it's a force. Something that has favor. Something that is a verb as well as a noun. It takes action. It moves distinctively. It, 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 it conquers. It, it works with us. It, it allows us to overcome our flesh. It allows us to overcome our doubts and our fears. And, and it is a grace that draws us into an ever-learning and drawing us into an ever-deeper understanding of what it really means to grow in the knowledge of Christ. That's called maturity. It is a grace of God. Maturity is a grace. I like to believe because I'm gray in my beard and I'm rescinding in my hair and I'm in my 50s, I'm pretty mature. I mean, people will look at me and say, one friend of mine looked at me yesterday and says, he hadn't seen me in a long time. He said, he said, you look so wise. <laughs> I said, if looks could only tell. He said, you look so wise. It was so funny. But what gives us wisdom is the Holy Spirit. He energizes us with grace. He moves us toward a formational life whereby spiritual formation is the means in which he begins to work in us the means of grace and truth and formation and development and stability, increasing in his love, increasing in his grace, increasing in his awareness. Each day we grow in grace as we courageously live out our lives in relationship with Jesus Christ. Each day, there's a measure of grace given to you as you are courageously living out your life in the reality of Jesus' love. It takes courage today to live in grace. It takes courage today to say that I believe by the grace of God, I'm growing and developing and shaping and my marriage is getting better and my life is getting better and my home is getting better and I'm infusing this life into my children. I'm infusing this life into my relationships and friends. It is the only life that I know that sustains me and keeps me and focuses me into a deeper understanding of what it really means to grow in a more formidable way. It takes courage. And we are committed to know that as we graciously, wonderfully live out this truth and grace, Second Peter tells us, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. And Dallas, our good friend Dallas, who has traveled with Richard in many ways, gives us a wonderful perspective. He says, finding realistic ways to grow in grace. Grace is not passive. Grace is power. You know, I grew up in a day where it was very appropriate to stand on the corner with your Mao Zedong book and say, Black power! and all the good white folk got scared. <laughs> now it's a wonderful thing to stand in a courtroom or to stand on a corner or stand at a Starbucks or stand at a coffee shop and say, grace power. 
It's a wonderful thing to walk into a prison when people are broken and tormented and defeated and facing all the pressures in life and say, grace power, the grace that can move you to a new expression of life, the grace that can motivate you to a new understanding of his love, the grace that can move you to this new life of finding peace and formation and direction. It is grace power, an act of force. It is not passive. Grace sees a problem in our lives and says, I want to conquer it. Got a temper problem. Grace says, let's conquer it. Grace sees an issue in our heart and says, let's overcome. Let's bring an understanding and a depth and the meaning and the reality of Christ's love in our lives and our hearts so that we can overcome and conquer that. It is not passive. And every day we are open to the reality and the power and the significance of this incredible, powerful grace that takes action into our lives and begins to formulate us and shape us into the life of Christ. Amen? Amen. Grace is not magic. Dallas writes about that. It's not some whiffle dust. It's not a Disneyland experience. It's not a I wish it were so. It's not wishing on a star. Grace is real. You see, grace comes from an incredible source. You know what that source is? It comes from a source called the love of God. And it's real. It's real. And it perpetuates and grows every day. And it takes force and definition and clarity in our lives and builds us up to be a people of faith and kindness and compassion and commitment and integrity and truth. Grace moves us into the pains of the world and says, I can be there to respond in love. Grace moves us into the ghettos of our community where there is crime and hardship and difficulty and allows us to sit next to a person that's not like us and still share our humanity together, God's love. Grace is not magic. Grace is a force. And then there's a path to the whole life of discipleship that grace leads us in. It leads us to a path of formation and growth and ever becoming form in the life of Christ. Now, for me, it's significantly important that I understand how these disciplines work in my life in the course of grace and the development of grace so that I can become a person where God can do well and he can come in and I can welcome him. So I welcome him to my home. Let me show you my home. I hope that I have another 30 years to go where it dwells with me. Uh, sometimes I wonder when I get up in the morning and I uh, feel the old hip pain and the old joint pain, but it's my house and I'm pretty content with it. Even though the roof is kind of tarnished, <laughs> even though the windows are kind of dim, I still like my house. I like my house because it's where I invite the disciplines to come and live with me and formulate in me the compassionate side of what it really means to be a person who loves Jesus. A person who just simply wants more and more of the presence of God. 
a person that invites him into my life and we discuss things of grace and truth. We discuss books that we might read together, walks that we might talk, take, that he would dwell and have room in my house. Well, for that to happen, I have to invite the disciplines in my house. And this is the way I live in my home. All of us have a home. You have a home. I have a home. And you live in that home for a long time. But let me share with you some of the disciplines I invite in my home, where I do well in my spirit, in my heart, in my life. Let's see the first one. I have a meditation and prayer room in my home. Literally my, my internal home. I have a meditation and prayer room. I love to sit back with a cup of coffee in my hand in my home in the morning and invite the Lord in and just meditate and reflect and think about him. Just enjoy his presence. Just reflect on his goodness and think about his words and think about the way he's shaping and clarifying my life and bringing clarity to my heart. Meditating on an old book that reflects truth or value for me and then talking to him in a relational way. And so in my room, I have a big, expansive place called meditation and prayer. It's where you'll find me most of the time. So if you come knocking on my door, I'll have to come down from upstairs, give me a moment, because I like hanging up up there. It's a great room. It's a spacious room and a big room. Another room that I love is study and reflection. In my house, there's study and reflection. I call it my library. I went back to a place this week that I visited 20 years ago called the Cynical in Warrenville, Illinois. I was there at a conference speaking, and uh, I walked into that place. It's a wonderful old Catholic retreat center out in Warrenville. It was snowing outside, cold, and you walk across a bridge to get to it. And 20 years ago this week, I was there as a young pastor trying to find definition and clarity for my life. And a little 69-year-old nun by the name of Sister Shanahan met me at the door. And she says, oh, Glendy, and I'm so glad that you're here. I've heard about you. I'm glad you've come. You call, right? I said, yes, it's me. She says, come with me. And she just walked like that. You know how the nuns walk, you know. And she brought me to the library and she began to talk to me about the fidelity of Jesus. And I said, wait a minute, where I'm coming from, I should be telling you that. Oh, she says, oh, let me tell you about the fidelity of Christ. And let me tell you about the saints. And let me tell you about what it means to reflect on these saints and read about them. And she brought all these books out. And I felt at home in the library because it was a place of study and reflection. Just think of the room that Jesus wants you to think about him in. To reflect, to think, to pray, to, to study the word. Little study, little growth. Much study, a great deal of growth. Because the study of the word of God brings formation in character. The next room is worship. A lot of worship. Now, I am not an emotional kind of a guy. This is the, when I said welcome was probably the loudest I would ever get in any setting. Um, my wife tells me I'm too cool. <laughs> but I'm not that. I'm just kind of a reflective kind of a guy. I just, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, it takes a cup of coffee 
and I really get high. I mean, I just say, this is great. This is wonderful, man. This is, I mean, I'm there, all there, all there, all there. I am with you emotionally. I'm with you mentally. But I love to worship. I love to hear the hymns. I love to reflect on God. And worship is seeing the sunrise and the sunset. Worship is seeing my little grandchildren when they come over. Worship is, 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 is all of life activity pointed toward God. It is all of life formation and all of life expressions thanking God for who he is. I don't have to get staid and sturdy and rigid, but I can become loose and loving and expressive in the way that God created me, all because it's worshiping him and loving him. So in my house, there's a lot of worship. What's in your house? What, 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 what are you going to put in your room, in your house, as you think about building your own home? Celebration. Great thing to do in my home. I'll celebrate for any reason whatsoever. Last week, we had an incredible Super Bowl party. Went and got a Super Bowl cake, and we had hot dogs. I said to Mary, and we're just going to have junk food all day long. And it was, my grandkids came over, and the kids came over, and we celebrated. But we find reasons to celebrate. I celebrate with you tonight, being in your presence, being in your community, being a part of your fellowship, being a part of your life. I celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ loves you and he is relationally connected to you and you are men and women of faith and formation and truth. I celebrate the fact that God is working in you to do his good work, expressing his good work, demonstrating his good work, reaching into your life and forming you and shaping you into the likeness of Christ. I celebrate the relationship I have with Richard and his family and the team. I celebrate the relationship I have with Marty, who's here tonight, you'll meet later. I celebrate all things that God has given because it's a true expression of gratitude. Do you like celebrating? Celebrating the grace of God. And the last... I'm sorry, there's one more, guidance. Oh, do I need guidance today. I need guidance in this world. I mean, I have grandchildren that need my wisdom and direction. I have children, adult daughters, who need their papa's guidance. I need to give guidance to people who I may never see again but for that moment in time might need a word, a thought, an expression. I need guidance because I live in a world where there's a postmodern environment and truth has been tampered with and taken away and eroded and they say it's no truth and I need to know how to express truth in my life, in my heart, in my work. I need guidance and so I seek guidance that comes as a result of the discipline. And the last one is service. This is the one you'll hear more about tomorrow as we talk about the life of service. But I really believe in the life of service. I really believe that this Jesus who lives in me, who dwells in me, who is welcome into this heart, is equipping me every day to have a gracious, big heart to serve people in the name of Christ to serve the brokenhearted, 
to serve the downtrodden, to serve those who are not like me culturally or not like me racially, but to serve them because they are made in the image of God. And the work of service is a wonderful discipline. Well, these are just a few of the things that I have in my house. I don't know what you have in your home, but I'm sure one day you'll choose to invite me over for tea and you will, not tea, but coffee. Let's correct that, please. Amen? Amen. You'll invite me over and we'll sit down and talk and you'll say, Glennon, let me come, why don't you come to my room of, of, of worship? Why don't you come to my room of, 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 of service? Why don't you come to my room of study and reflection? And together, we'll just shout to the goodness of God. Why don't you stand real quick? We're going to read a prayer together. This is an old prayer given to us by our brother Augustine. A prayer for us to pray. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, the house of my soul is narrow. Enlarge it that thou mayest enter in. It is ruinous, or oh, repair it. Displace sight. I confess it, I know. But who shall cleanse it? Or to whom shall I cry but unto thee? Cleanse me from my secret faults, O Lord, and spare thy servant from strange sins. Amen. I bow to you and respect you and graciously thank you for being a part of this great Renovari movement tonight in your community. And that was Glandian Carney. As I mentioned earlier, Glandian's written a number of books, including The Way of Grace, Finding God on the Path of Surrender. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovari Podcast. I'm grateful for all of you who helped make this work possible. You can support Renovari in this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at renovari.org donate. Renovari is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort, offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find a collection of thoughtfully curated articles, podcast webinars, online classes, as well as information on events and our institute at renovare.org. This podcast is produced by Brian Morricon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. Until next time, be well, friends. Be well.